0: about them, but basically 11, 12, and 13 continues to go through just as we've been looking at, where Hosea is prophesying and saying that God is going to deal with Israel for their sins, for their idolatry. Uh, Chapter 11 goes and and talks about God's love toward Israel. He deals with them, uh, he wants them to know that his love, just like he does us, he loves us, he cares for us, he will take care of us if we love him. And so he talks to uh, Israel in chapter 11 about that. He shows his love to them. They are God's chosen people. But one day they will sing that same song we just sang and that Jesus is theirs. Right now they don't believe that. They're still are looking for the Messiah. But he says that one day they will call upon him. In Chapter 11, he shows his love to them. Chapter 12 talks about their alliances that they have, uh, Assyria and Egypt. Uh, not only are they welcoming uh, those countries to be part of them or getting part of, being part of them or, and being their alliances, but they're following their idolatries and their unholiness. And so he deals with them in chapter 12. In 13, he again goes into their sin of idolatry. He deals with it. He talks about how he will uh, deal with them on it and how he will uh, punish them for it. He continues to work on that. Chapter 14 we'll look at tonight. It's only nine verses. It will basically summarize the whole book of, of Hosea. Uh, Hosea's prophecy will end. It is, it is not the end of the prophecies against Israel. Uh, Joel and the other minor prophets will do that. But it is the end of Hosea's. And we'll start in verse 1 of Hosea chapter 14. And... Uh, it says, O Israel, return unto the Lord thy God, for thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. Take with you words, and turn to the Lord, say unto him, take away all iniquity and receive us graciously. So will we render the calves of our lips. Asher shall not save us, we will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands. Ye are our gods, for in thee the Father findeth mercy. I will heal their backsliding. I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. I will be as the dew unto Israel, that shall, he shall grow as the lily and cast forth his roots as Lebanon. His branches shall spread, his beauty shall be as the olive tree, and his smell as Lebanon. They that dwell under the shadow shall return. They shall revive as the corn and grow as the vine. The scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Ephraim shall say, What have I to do any more with idols? I have heard him and observed him. I am like a green fir tree. From me is thy fruit found. Who is wise? He shall understand these things. Prudent, and he shall know them. For the ways of the Lord are right, and the just shall walk in them but the transgressors stuff follow their ends. The uh, book of Hosea, a chapter of Hosea, probably ends up. It leaves us with some questions, or he asks some questions in it, uh, but he speaks of Israel returning unto God, and he says unto them that uh, basically he says, call unto God. He says, O Israel, return unto the Lord, and we know that this prophecy is going to be dealt with in the millennium. This is going to be the time that when the millennium comes around and the uh, witnesses come in and Israel will finally call upon God. They will finally sing that song that Jesus is theirs. It will finally come to a point where they will call back onto God. It says, Return unto the Lord thy God, thou hast fallen by thine iniquity. They have gone so far in their sin and they are now going to, at this point in the millennium, they will call back on God. She says, Take you with words, turn to the Lord, saying to him, Take away all iniquity. Hosea urges Israel to pray to their God. He urges them to beseech them to forgive their to ask for forgiveness of their sins. And that God will receive them. This is, this is this is basically what we do. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us, he deals with us to call back on God when something happens to us, when we get into that point. Even before salvation, the Spirit will deal with us. He says in verse 2, he said That thought, that phrase, take you with words, in this context, refers to verbally saying something. You know, it's one thing to in our minds to say, Oh, forgive me, Lord, in our prayer and, and go about our business. But it's the second thing, to verbalize it. God wants to hear us shout his glory. And that's what he's talking to, to the Israelites. He says, verbalize it. Articulate that repentance. Holler out for it. That's where we get when the point when, you know, when we're in the point of getting saved. I remember sitting back here back in 88 and God dealing with me. And, man, I wanted to yell out. I just wanted to scream, but I didn't. I came forward, and, and a gentleman took me outside, to and we talked, and he showed me the verses. And, and after that, it was just, just came out. I mean, the, the glory of God just, I just wanted to tell everybody, and I tried to. A lot of people wouldn't listen, but that's what he said. He said verbally, take your words. Put them out there. Shout them out. That's a witnessing right there. But he said he wants Israel to do that. He wants them to to verbalize and speak their repentance. You know, if somebody and I know we we probably wouldn't do it. I hope we wouldn't do it. But if somebody came up and knelt at this altar and started crying out, and we're sitting all sitting on our seats going, "What are they saying?" You know, we think they got started in tongues or something, right? But that's what God says to do. Verbalize our repentance. Cry out. Let him know you truly mean it. And that's what Hosea is trying to tell them. God, uh, through Hosea, is telling them. Take your words. Articulate them. Bring that repentance to God. In other words, God urged them to pray in a repentance and seek mercy for his grace. That's verse 2. Then he says, the calves of our lips. He said, the idea of this calves is to refer as sacrificing. You know what? Give your lips up to repentance. Quit talking the, the, oh, I done this and I done that. Say it. Sacrifice. Just like the calves that have to be sacrificed on the altar, make sure your lips do that. Sacrifice those lips. Make those lips that part of the... The the repentance that God will worship. God will honor. Not worship, honor. But he said, that's what he said. He said, use the lips. He said, you know, this metaphor of the the calf being sacrificed, the greater thought of this is that God would receive them with his grace and mercy. They would therefore utter praise to him. And that's what he wants, is their praise. Verse 3, he says, Ashar shall not save us. That's one of their their gods that they had, one of their their idols. He said, We will not ride upon horses, neither will we say any more to the work of our hands, ye are our gods. He said, Israel will finally get to the point where all the idols that they built, they used their hands to create, all those things that they built were their gods. Those idols that they themselves carved out was their gods. He's going to say, When you get to this point, you're going to say, You're not my god no more. Those things that you created with your hands. Israel will return to their God. They will pray for forgiveness and praise him. Hosea sets forth the outline of such a prayer. Asher refers to Assyria. That, that's one of their gods, but that was the nation they were coming after. When Israel turns to the God, they are to proclaim that es- 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 Excuse me, let me get my lips straightened here. Got sacrificed there for a minute. Okay? Assyria was no help to them. Their gods, their nations that they were involved with, were no help. They couldn't do anything about it. They could not escape on their horses, as it says. There was no solution there. They would not vow, they would vow foolish idols. They would have made them their own hands, surely were not their gods anymore. Only Jehovah could be their help and mercy. Only God. That's what he's calling upon them to do. Israel has essentially made themselves orphans or fatherless, as it says. He says, The fatherless findeth mercy. God said, They have created themselves as orphans from me. They're no longer mine. They are my people, he says, but they're not my children. They've been orphaned. It's a phrase that he's using in these words. I love the way the Old Testament phrases, things, it, 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 we have to read them very carefully, because sometimes we don't understand them, but anybody, anybody ever read Shakespeare? You know, Shakespeare's wonderful, but you have to read it slowly, you can't just go right through it, okay, it's not like a comic book, you know, you, you, Shakespeare is, Shakespeare is in the same language as this Holy Bible is, the King James Bible is. The articulation of the words that Shakespeare uses are beautiful. But you have to read them slowly. And that's the way this is. He said, you take your words, you articulate your words, but they've got to be honorable. They've got to come to God. He said, but we are orphans here. We are fatherless. The day was therefore coming when they would finally realize only him, was their salvation. And that's what we have today, too. We can't go to, to some Buddhist. He's not going to do anything for us. You know, we can't even go to Joe Osteen. He's not going to do anything either. Okay? He, we're not going to go to, you know, all these other uh, you know, what are they Paula White and all these others. They can't do anything. Pastor Joe can't do anything. I can't do anything. You can't do anything. It's all of God. Without his grace, we can't do anything. And that's what he's telling them. He said, you are orphans, you are followers." He said, only through God is our salvation. And he wants to make sure that Israel understands this. Hosea is getting down to the end of his life. He's getting down to the end of his prophecy. And God wants to make sure that what he's telling them, they figure it out. They understand it. Verses 4 and 5, he says, I will heal their backsliding, I will love them freely, for mine anger is turned away from him. In the day when Israel returns to repentance to God, his part, God vowed to heal their backsliding. When they come to the point where they say, God, forgive us, and they repent with, with uh, 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 their whole heart. When they come to that point where they have broken down, and they call upon God, repent, Truly repent. He says, I will heal their backsliding. He said, they all the consequences there. He promised to love them freely, he says. His anger against them had been turned away. Remember, this is in the millennium. If they do it now, then God's updated his timeline. But that's not going to happen. God doesn't change. But they will, at the end of the millennium, or during the millennium when God is reigned here, A will come back to him. They will be his nation. All Israel will be. And he says, verse 5, I will be as the dew upon Israel. He shall grow as the lily, cast forth his root as leaven. In the day when Israel turns back to their God, he promises to bless them like dew upon the morning grass, they say, like the morning grass. It helps it grow. I wouldn't have to want to cut it because it's going to be blessed. He said Israel will turn. They will grow like the plant, like a, a, a lily. Everybody seen them lilies? As soon as they start coming out, what happens? Boom, 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 boom. I mean, they're quick, right? He said the same thing. They're going to extend their territory. He said they're going to expand. He's going to be lilies, we've got, I guess they're lilies. They come in the little bulbs that you put in the ground, Right? Well, Brenda, a few years ago, planted some in our backyard. They were beautiful. They were purple and pink and yellow and orange. They were beautiful. Well, when summer was over with, they died. They came back next spring. Even more. I mean, involved, they just expanded under there. Like the phrase about rabbits, you know, they exploded. They just, we had them all over the place. We had people coming to the house digging them up. We had so many of them. Finally, they all died. I don't know why, but they did. Anyway, that's what he's talking about. He's talking that lily. They're going to extend their territory. They're going to grow. And he says here, they're going to grow right into Lebanon. You see, when the time comes, Israel will get all their land back. God will take it back all the way up into Lebanon and all those other countries that have taken away Israel's land. You know how much Israel land had? If you look at a map, Israel started from right here to where Tel Aviv is, goes all the way out. Miles and miles and miles and miles. Right now they're what, about thirty miles wide or something like that. This would go all the way out to the desert. This would go all the way out. I mean, they would expand. God's gonna give them back their land during the millennium. They will expand. They'll extend their territory all the way into Lebanon. The ultimate fulfillment is clear. The day of the Lord is in the millennium. This is when it will happen. This is Hosea's prophecy of the timeline. There's verse 6 and 7. He says, his branches shall spread. His beauty shall be as the olive tree and his smell as Lebanon. Like a flourishing vine, he says, Israel will prosper across the Middle East. They will be like a well-cultivated olive tree, and have the fragrance of cedars of Lebanon. Everybody ever smell cedar? Oh, I love that smell. When I was in high school. I built a couple cedar chests, and working on them was beautiful because that dust when that dust cups up, it just it just gets right in your face. It just I wouldn't mind just smelling it all the time. It, it's wonderful. But he says they, that their smell it will be wonderful. It'd be like the cedars of Lebanon. The thought is not only of spreading the Jewish kingdom in that day, but the pleasant agreement and they're coming back to their original state. When Israel had the, the 12 tribes and the 12 tribes covered a large area, God says they're, they're going to get that back again and it's going to be beautiful. They're going to flourish. It, it's, a, it's an agreement that's going to happen, but those nations that are against them won't be able to do anything. They will pretty much walk, walk, walk out and take over. Israel will. Verse 7, he says that they will dwell under his shadow and shall return. They shall revive as the corn, grow as the vine, the scent thereof shall be as the wine of Lebanon. Those that live in the shadow and restored and glorified Israel will turn to Jehovah. They will come back to him. These nations as well will be blessed and prosper from Israel. All these nations that are now against Israel are trying to take them away and destroy them. One day during the millennium, God says Israel will be back in their own land and these other nations will bow to them. Them other nations will come to Israel for help. In the day of the full Repentance of restoration of Israel, verse 8, he says, Ephraim shall say, What have I to do with more idols? What have I to do with these idols? I have heard him, I observed him, I am like a green fir tree, for me is my fruit found. In that day, the re- full repentance, the full restoration of Israel, they will totally be without idolatry. They will be completely gods. They will no longer have these, these statues. They will no longer, they're already preparing for the Messiah. They're already starting to build the temple. Uh, they're already starting to get the, the red calves that the uh, book of Revelation talks about uh, of sac- for the sacrifices. They're already making the instruments for the temple. Uh, They apparently they have pictures from way back in that time, some drawings or something, and they're trying to get all these harps made the exact same way they were back in the Old Testament times. And, And they're getting that together. But they are looking toward the Messiah coming. That's what they're preparing for. They're preparing for that day. But God says there's going to be a day when they come back. It ain't going to be because the Messiah that they're looking for comes back. Christ does come back, and he will set up his millennial kingdom. And then that's when they will finally open their eyes and realize that Jesus Christ was the Lord, and we missed it. Can you imagine a Jew at that time that had gone through all the Orthodox uh, reading of the Old Testament and the the Psalms and the, the laws and all that, the day that Jesus returns and sets up his millennial kingdom and says, wait a minute, this ain't what we've been reading and taught. This ain't how it was supposed to be. But here he is. They, they're going to think all these years, all these hundreds of thousands of years, however long it's been, these teachers that we had were teaching us wrong. We were still looking for that one Messiah to come back. He's here now. And we're not ready. And then they're going to have to live through that, through the millennium. And they will praise him and glorify him in all that they do and say. He said that time will come when their fruit will start to grow. They will start to be that, the Israel that God originally planned. They're going to be that people that God created to worship and glorify him that's what they're going to end up being he says Israel will openly confess that they have finally heard the word uh, I met a couple of Jews that they're saved Jews uh, they don't wear the little hats anymore they don't you know do the temple and all that stuff but they still read the Old Testament that's that's part of their their heritage but they are believers and there's a lot of them, there's millions of them, but they, and they they go over there, and they, they missionary to Israel, and they will tell you that, you know, they pray daily for all these Jews, they pray daily for Israel, because they know what the Bible says, they know the ending, and they want them to get there before that time. What happens before the millennium? Tribulation. The rapture and then tribulation. Do you want the Jews or any of your family going through the tribulation? No. I would hate to I would hate to think that, you know, God comes back and takes us out in the rapture and I got family still left here going through that. I mean, that's gonna be a terrible time. And see, so that they still go through that. They still Ministry to Israel, but he says they will be openly confessing. He said the word of God. They they have finally glorified him. They will finally go and realize who he is. Therefore, they will prosper like a vibrant fir tree and bear fruit bountifully. They will start growing. They will start being the evangelists and the Israel that God originally planned them to be. The fruit of God will be found in them. This may be a hint of a fruit of righteousness described in Proverbs 10, 11, or 11.30. The fruit of the Spirit described in Galatians. The fruit of righteousness described in Philippians. Israel in that day will bring forth fruit to God. They will finally have something to bring to him that he's going to glorify and honor. Okay? In verse 9... Leaves us with some questions. And these questions, they're they're rhetorical questions all through this. But they're questions to Israel. And it automatically gives the answers. Okay? He says, who is wise? He who is wise shall understand these things. How do we become wise? Scripture. That's how we become wise. We become wise through Scripture. Scripture. When we accept Christ as our Savior, uh, the gospel, and get saved, we become wise because we now know Jesus. And that's the beginning of it. And then we get into the scriptures and we start reading, we start studying. We become wise. He said those who become wise will understand these things. Those who don't, can't understand the scriptures are probably those who are not saved. Now, I'm not talking intellectual. I'm talking uh, someone who sits down and reads it and doesn't understand it. They need some help to understand it. And only the Holy Spirit gives us that, okay? He says, those who will be wise will understand these things. If he's prudent, he shall know them. Prudent and wise. For the ways of the Lord are right. They are just. And all those who will walk righteously will walk in Christ. All those will walk with him, but those transgressors shall fall, they say. The book concludes with several rhetorical questions. Questions in which the answers are apparent. Who is wise? The saved. Who is prudent? The saved. Who's the transgressors? The unsaved. (laughs) Right? Okay. The thought is that he who is wise and prudent will understand what has been presented in the preceding context. So when you read Hosea, if you don't understand it, ask the Holy Spirit. If you can't ask the Holy Spirit, you need to check up on yourself. Right? He said the word translated as right or just is those who walk uprightly or, or those who, are, who walk straight by the commandments of God, he said refers to those who are righteous before God. The greater thought is how those who are righteous will walk in an upright and straight ways of God, the commandments. However, those given to transgression shall stumble over the righteous standards of God. Those who are transgressors, those who are unsaved, will look at the Ten Commandments and say, What about them? Doesn't matter to them, right? Those who are unsaved will not have any understanding. I was like this before I got saved. I didn't know the God's commands back then. I didn't know when I was a teenager. And even going to a, a Baptist church or Salvation Army church or a Methodist church or anything, <laughs> I didn't know anything about it. When I sat in the pew and listened to the preacher, I, I It had nothing to do with me. I didn't even think about it. I said, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, that was it. I mean, I didn't care. But when the spirit deals with you, you start to understand. And even if you're unsaved, that spirit's dealing with you. Just like when I sat back there on that pew in 88, the spirit dealt with me. I didn't know what was happening. I really didn't. I don't even remember what Pastor Neil Edson preached. I think I've got the cassette somewhere, but I have no idea where it was. Cassettes. You all know what cassettes are? You young ones probably don't, but I. <laughs> anyway, I still had that message on cassette. And every once in a while I'd pour it out and listen to it. And I don't know whatever happened to it. I think it got put away somewhere. But I didn't know what was happening. But I knew something was. And afterwards, when it was over, I started feeling something new in me. I mean, it just, some people probably think, well, I just, I got saved and I went on about my way. I felt something. I don't know about y'all, but I felt something. And and it felt good. Uh, I was still dealing with stuff. I had to deal with stuff in my life about it. But it got better. And it got better. And it got better. And it finally got to the point where... I'm in the Word all the time, I'm studying, I'm, I'm you know, doing all this stuff. I started changing things in my life. And he said, that's, that Israel is going to have to do that. They're going to come to that point. But they're going to walk straightly. They're going to walk in that narrow path that Christ says to follow, his words. Thus ends this unusual book of prophecy, he says, the concluding thought emphasizes the righteousness of God and how those who are just will walk his ways. Those who are not just do not. God's ways are straight and right, and those disposed of righteousness. For those destined to sin, the ungodly, the righteous stepping stones of God will be a stumbling block. He says that Paul says that. They are a stumbling block. God's word is a stumbling block to those who are unsaved. Uh, it, you know, we can talk to somebody, we can witness to somebody, and they can pop out a few verses. Well, you're not supposed to judge, right? Okay, Judge not. But they don't understand the context. They don't understand the whole passage, the whole verse. But but they'll throw it out to you. Okay? I mean, it's going on tremendously down Because everybody's got just enough that they've heard, okay, somebody said or somebody's written out or something, but they don't write the whole verse. They don't get the whole passage. It's just what they want, okay? Israel has been like that. Israel has been wanting what they want, which is the law. And Hosea speaks about it in earlier chapters. They wanted the law, and they wanted to live that way. But God says that's not his way. Yes, you've got to follow the laws, his laws, but not man's laws. But he says one day, one day the time will come when they will come back to Christ, and that's going to be during the millennium. They will come back to, to God and start worshiping him and glorifying him. That's in the millennium. Is it our job to don't worry about it because it's going to happen in the millennium? Do we just forget about it and say, well, they'll, they'll get saved back, you know, they'll get saved back that when when it comes, you know? God is sovereign. God controls everything in our lives and the entire world's formation, the entire world's timeline. God has set in motion everything he wants done when he wants it done. But that means we just sit back and wait? No. We need to, like Hosea did, he was chosen to go out and tell Israel, this is what's going to happen. Same thing with us. Christ says that we are all missionaries. We are all witnesses to him. Said, For those who are destined to walk in righteousness are going to be wise and prudent. Now, I know some people that I don't think are wise and prudent, but you know that's not my decision to decide, right? But the book ends with a simple, profound principle of righteousness. Israel has ignored it. For those who sought the Lord in his ways, it was, a sh- it was straight before them. It was always before them. If they were reading the scriptures, if they were following the, the laws in which God set forth, they would have walked that way completely. But they didn't. They fell away. We do that. How many times have you ever... The pastor spoke about this this week or last week, I think it was. You get to a point where you just don't feel Christian like. You just don't feel like you want to read the Bible. You don't feel like you want to sing out a song. You, you just, you just, you know, forget it. You know, it's all over with. It's done. I get that way. I think all of us do. And, and it's like he said, you know, we, we get back in the Word whether we feel like it or not, we, we speak about it in, in the uh, men's prayer breads on Friday, on Friday morning at breakfast. Even though we don't feel like it, we need to do it. And that way it gets us back in that cycle. Because once we get off the road, we'll probably stay off the road So we get back into it. Israel will one day come to Christ. They will finally, in the last days, in the millennium, be God's chosen people, which they are, but He will now have them as His own. They can be able to sing that song. Jesus is now mine. At one day, okay. Any questions? Any comments? Y'all are quite a quiet bunch. I love it. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night, Lord. We just ask you to watch over us as we go our way. Keep us safe. Help us in all that we do. Help us to glorify and honor you in all that we say and do. Help us to walk that straight way, Father. Help us to stay within that shadow of your commandments and your word. Father, we just want to tell you we love you we thank you. We ask you to bless us. We ask for all the prayer requests we had. Uh, Lord, just uh, have your way in our lives. Have your will be done. We pray this in Jesus' blessed name. Amen.